to Napoli because she missed the scenery the native dances and the charming songs but wait a minute something's wrong oh. all right Hey! Tit! You mixed up Sigiliano, all you calabrese do the mambo like a crazy with a Okay, it is a Monday night. It's 26th, a day of September. It's the 22nd year of the millennium. <laughs> I, uh, I'm here with you on a nice night because we're going to bring back a good friend. Everybody always looks forward to a visit from Rich Barris, People's Pundit. So what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, I think it's a little bit easy to talk about this. We, a couple of weeks ago, were talking about Sweden and how you had all of these really lefty um, European nation states that are starting to see really interesting shifts going on in their local elections, uh, even though always consider the Overton window. But um, when we were talking about Sweden a few weeks ago, we said Italy's coming up next. We'll see what happens there. Well, lots of screaming and wailing and gnashing of teeth going on today. And we're going to talk about the elections there and how, of course, that may or may not be a bellwether for America in November, or at least what should be a bellwether for us culturally, whatever comes out at after a, a nice long three and a half weeks of counting votes, that result is going to be aside aside from the fact. That'll be aside from the fact. I just like to ascertain what's going on inside the hearts and minds of human beings. Uh, all of the the surface level projections and the and the the the, cr- the crimes. That's something else. I, I don't have any, any power to turn that around, and neither do you. So we just hang out. We do our thing. And here we are on a fresh, fresh set of downs. Um, I would like to thank my sponsors tonight. That is BlueMonsterPrep.com. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com and start thinking about the winter. Start thinking about uh, power. Start thinking about food and water and heating uh, communication, anything that you can do to make sure you can bridge the gap from the uh, the Stone Age to a little bit beyond the Bronze Age, at least. If things get out of hand for one reason or another, natural or otherwise, you see there is a there's a couple of live live streams going on right now uh, with NASA that are attempting to crash a rocket or something into an asteroid as a big preliminary test about that has to do with planetary defenses and being able to avert disaster by blowing up asteroids that nobody can see. We're blowing up an asteroid to save Earth. Well, listen, we've already blown up three asteroids that were going to kill us uh, this year. We need another trillion dollars or else we may not be able to stop the asteroids next time. Like, imagine that. Maybe they are doing something legitimate over there somewhere in a broom closet in at NASA I don't know but just think about that kind of a situation you have set up for yourself give me hundreds tens however many billions of dollars they get 
and we're going to look into planetary defense to make sure that uh, whenever asteroids come our way, we're going to knock it off course like it's Armageddon. That You never see these things with a naked eye. They could just be saying that they're coming at <laughs> They could just be saying that they're coming at us. And uh, they need more money. So, um, anyway, I was watching a couple of NASA streams very briefly and incredibly awkward. Incredibly awkward exchanges. Almost as bad as the Apple Plus TV broadcast of the Yankee game the other night. Apple TV got the Yankee and the Red Sox game the other night. And the, 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 broad, the broadcast crew that they assembled for that is abs- was an embarrassment. Third-rate podcasting. Third rate. Oh, and the, and the girl, the girl that they had on. Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. Oh my gosh. Where was I? Oh, okay. Well, we're going to talk about Prime Minister uh, Georgia Meloni, who has the left scared shitless. And then we're going to talk about the American prospects and whether or not you can extrapolate so many good things with rich barris tonight in the second half i'm going to go into some more i have more doctor nurse stories i didn't get around to so we'll see how much time we have left over perhaps some calls whatever else we can fit in and away we go bluemonsterprep.com use promo code frankly and remember on the front page of bluemonsterprep.com they now have added in their rotating banners, a getting started page. You click on that and Pat and Gina will already help you prioritize your thoughts. Where should you prioritize? Get your checklist going. And if you need anything else, give them a call. Use promo code frankly. All right, tomorrow night we got Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings coming on tomorrow night. This guy is another one uh, who I love listening to him. He's got great insights on current events, holding it up against past events, occult, uh, occult de-occulting, um, occult translation of things, uh, n- numbers. I, this is going to be great. So Ryan Gable will be on tomorrow night, and we got pretty much of a light week, but we have more coming up. Nathaniel Gillis is coming on the show next Tuesday, the 4th. He's into uh, religious demonology. He's a demonologist, so that's going to be a nice creepy one before I go away to the mountains for a couple days. And then Bill Altman, Minds.com, comes back on the 11th. Robin McCutcheon, Corey Daniel into October. Uh, Saturday night show, watching Spookies here in the studio with my father and whoever the hell else shows up. Kathy O'Brien coming back on October 20th. Midterms condition, uh, uh, mental conditioning and SRA survivors exorcisms. We'll be talking about that. Timothy Alberino will doing, we'll be doing cryptids and spooky stuff and whatever else. Rich Barris. Brooks Agnew is coming back on October 27th so we can expand on our UFOs, Antarctica situation. And maybe I can even ask him that Martin Geddes uh, question about hypothetical transition of society from, you know, oil into something a little bit more theoretical or I guess just hypothetical transition. We'll get into that. Anyway, A lot of good stuff coming and more on the way. All right, let's go into our grab bag, shall we? The first one up is from NPR. This will make you think. Here's the headline. Trans religious leaders say scripture should inspire inclusive congregations. This should say leaders of trans religion. 
say scripture should inspire inclusive congregations. This is an this is an infection. You know, when you see when you see people saying, "Well, I see what kind of a party you have here. Let's make some changes to uh, to reflect me better." Like what they're doing to the Hallmark station. Very very sad to hear about the the defection of talent over there because nobody wants to go along with all of the uh, the diversity quotas. Yep, we haven't seen it just yet, but they uh, they are apparently they are upset that there are just way too many light-hearted light-hearted storylines between heterosexual men and women who end up starting families, falling in love and taking over the family inn in the mountains. They just they don't like it. They need they need more gay stuff. That's what they that's what they're saying. I'll talk about that tomorrow because that that's very upsetting to me now. Because now I watch Hallmark all the time on Sunday nights to make fun of everything. And I, if it's not going to be funny if you start bringing it into kaleidoscope land. Then it's just a freak show. Trans, I don't even care. NPR. So uh, leaders of a trans religion, they, they want to make sure that the Bible continues to get paper shredded. All right, on to the next thing. Mediaite. This went on MSNBC because I guess they just feel whatever. I, anything goes since nobody's watching. He's never seen a vagina, never seen a naked woman. MSNBC uproariously mocks Lindsey Graham's sexuality as uh, Stephanie Rule's show goes off the rails. You want to listen to this? Stephanie Rule, she's a um, she's a real winner, too. And she must have felt like she had a real TV moment that night when she had a bunch of yappy women with the motor mouths that cannot shut the fuck up. Take pot shots at the most pathetic weasel on the Republican side of the Senate. All right, well, I know all of you have something to say Ugh. about Lindsey Graham. Oh, my Lindsey God. Graham, who is more than doubling down, he is going further, pushing a federal ban, a national ban on abortion. I want you to first help me understand why would he even be doing this, mm-hmm. right? They- because it helps you, you idiots. Unless, unless you, you already know that and you're just playing your part in the Kabuki theater. Because it helps you. Don't you understand... Don't you understand? They overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah, you can just, get white. Let's get to it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, people. And in so yeah. many other swing states. Oh, I, mean, I know. Women oh, and registering to vote. And the fact that he is it. telling women what to do with their bodies. He's never mm-hmm. seen a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's never seen a naked woman. <laughs> and he is telling me. Someone that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. This is organization. We don't know that for sure. Oh. Oh my God! Stop the wall of sound. I feel bad for that one that one beast of burden male that is there to just be a yup 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 guy with all these yappy cows. Holy shit! Wow. He's probably right. Probably right. The motor on these freaks like seagulls. My God! And the thing that there is again that there is someone out there who loved it. Imagine that sad fact. Some lonely retiree who thinks watching that kind of a mess is a substitute for having actual friends gather at your home. <laughs> Imagine that. Anyway, the bigger issue with all this is that they, um, what was a, uh, oh, oh, hold on a second. Did I have that up here? Wait. Wait. No. I, uh, did I have a, 
I think I misplaced some media. I think I did. Maybe? Or maybe not. Never mind. I, I guess the, the more uncomfortable thing for them is that they are, again, using Lindsey Graham's homosexuality as an insult. So, you know, it's like, pick, pick. It, I, that should make Lindsey Graham a, 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 super, a superhero, you know? But they don't know what side of, a, of, of any fence that they're on. They're just, they're nutty and they love hearing the sound of themselves cackle. Speaking of space and all that stuff, on Saturday night, we were in the driveway, what was left of our of our party that we had for Skip, which was a very, very nice night. Um, we were in there, and all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're talking, and I see something off in the distance. And I'm saying to myself, wait a second, what the hell is that? It looked like a comet, but I knew better than that. So it, it was one of those things where I'm saying this has to be a SpaceX rocket, or it has to be a rocket. And it was. And a lot of people saw this SpaceX Florida launch seen as far as New York and Massachusetts. Elon Musk sent 52 more Starlink satellites into low Earth orbit on Saturday as the company continues weekly launches to build out its constellation. The Falcon 9 rocket lifted off from Space Launch Complex at 40, uh, uh, Complex 40 at Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida at 7.32 p.m. This is what I saw at my house. So that's streaking across the sky right behind Lauren. I said, what the hell? I said, that's, they said, what is that? I said, that's a rocket. I got a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of it moving. I took that video for myself. It's just pacing across the sky. You see? And then just as it went out, of, right when I, I stopped filming, that's where you can see it break apart and it detached from something. There's a, a detachment and it, it flew right by Jupiter. You see that bright spot and star in the sky? That was Jupiter. <clears throat> um, but that's what we have. That's what happened on Saturday night. Very weird addition to the night to have that go by. It's very. It, it's not out of the realm of it's not uncommon now to just be counting satellites as they pass over in fixed orbit. It's ridiculous. They're all over the place now. They're not planes. We know what they are. But um, this was something completely new. And the fact that it originated from Florida is even stranger. It's a long distance for that thing to be showing off across the East Coast. Anyway, the other thing that I learned over the weekend is, you know what makes a great alarm clock? Having your cat push a giant six-foot mirror on top of you as you're sleeping in bed at 6.30 in the morning. Have the whole thing crash down on you. Think that the world is falling. That's what I, I learned makes a fantastic alarm clock. Lila, apparently, she, she likes to sleep behind this mirror that is resting up against the wall. Never been a problem. I guess we had made some adjustments and it was standing more upright than usual. So Lila gets behind has to be because there's no other way gets behind the mirror and I guess her ass bumps it forward and it comes crashing down onto my feet and ankles and uh, and of course that's how I started my day on Saturday so that, that was my alarm clock at 6.30 in the morning actually it happened before Aurora woke up so 
Aurora slept in a little bit on Saturday, but the came crashing down on me. And in my half-sleeping stupor, all the things I wanted to say to Lila, the only thing I could manage to get out was I called her a fucking menace. <laughs> That's the only thing I could get out the time. I, 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 I jumped up. I'm putting the, the, the thing back, and I'm just in a stupor. And I go, you fucking menace. <laughs> oh, that damn cat. No, anyway, that's how I started. That's how we'll begin. I'll see you on the other side of the intro. Share this with everybody you know, whether it's live or on demand. Just get it on out there, and we will be right, right back. You heard what happened in my home? Mike, I almost died myself. It was all so relieved. In my home! In my bedroom where my wife sleeps! Where my children come and play with their toys. In my home. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! So, 717, welcome to the show. This is quite frankly, the pre-show is over and done with. Over and done with. Now here we are. If you want to send in a, a, a message to the show, if you want to express some thoughts, then please, please send it to quitefranklysuperchat.com. That is a universal super chat for everybody, no matter where you're watching, live or on demand. You can send one off air too, and I'll read it the next day. But uh, please become a part of the show tonight. It doesn't matter. You can send in some thoughts for as little as $1. We have been permanently demonetized on places like YouTube for a long time. There are some other native super chats out there, whether you're watching on Rumble or Foxhole or wherever, and that's just totally fine. But don't miss out. All right. So what do we have here? As I said, when we were talking last week about Europe, we were discussing some of the elections that were going down in Sweden, how things were swinging to the right, um, all things being relative. So I said that the real canary in the coal mine would really be Italy, which was 
what we were able to witness in the last few days. And here is a headline from the post-millennial. Setting the stage for Rich Barris, conservative populist Georgia Meloni set to be Italy's first female prime minister. Maloney, head of the conservative populist Brothers of Italy party, is set to become the country's first right-wing prime minister since the Second World War and the country's first female prime minister ever. In Sunday's exit polls, Maloney was predicted to win with 22 to 26% of the vote, beating her closest rival, former PM Enrico Letta, of the center-left Democratic Party, reported the BBC. Voter turnout was relatively low, with only 64% of the registered voting population casting their choice. By the time polls closed, said Italy's interior ministry, voting levels were especially poor in southern regions, including Sicily. The Brothers of Italy party has seen a meteoric rise in popularity since 2018, when it received just 4% of the vote. Now CBC reports that Meloni's conservative alliance has a commanding lead with a 41-45% to of the vote, well ahead of the left's 25.5 to 29.5 percent. Maloney, who has been in the Italian Chamber of Deputies since 2006, has been the star of her country's conservative movement. I am Georgia. I am a woman. I am a mother. I am Italian. I am Christian. Georgia Maloney told supporters in central Rome at a viral rally moment in 2019, quote, no one will take that away from me. So it has gone uh, it has gone all around. Here is a clip. I want to just play a clip as far as just to convey some of her magnetism and some of her message. It is um, it's fascist, as you know, if you've been on Twitter at all today or anything that smacks of Twitter. It's, of course, fascist because it's God, family, country message, and that is that cannot be a part of your platform. It's very fascistic because... She's going up against those who hate God, hate family, and hate country. So it's very bad. And as you know, you can't really hold it against these tankies on places like the uh, the Twitter trending corkboard. They don't know what the hell fascism is. It's a euphemism for mean person or anyone they perceive to be mean. Don't hold it against them. They're, they're literally they're the bottom of the barrel as far as intellectuals go. But... Um, of course, they'll say, oh, no, it's not about God, family, country. It's a dog whistle. She's whistling for dogs. Fascist dogs. They hear innocuous things and they think fascism. So that's, that's what we're getting from people. So, and, and honestly, I looked into her. I guess I'll look a little bit deeper. But um, perhaps center right to European standards She's still pro-NATO. She's on the NATO side of the Ukraine operation. I mean, she's... But the the thing is, you cannot prioritize your nation for any other or else you upset the apple cart. And we know the EU is there to make sure that European nation states ultimately dissolve into a viscous sludge and then you, you can't really see a difference between anything. So here's two minutes that you've probably seen. I sent the full 14 minutes over to the guys at the network. So hopefully that gets played in the After Hours programming when we conclude here at 9. Here, listen to this. I'm going to have to do a little bit of reading for you. Let me get out of the way here. All right, here we go. She says, please answer me these questions. 
This is about what we are doing here today. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There is a single answer to all these questions. Because it defines us, because it is our identity. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity, they attack religious identity, they attack gender identity, they attack family identity. I can't define myself as an Italian Christian woman, mother, no. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one or two, I must be a number. Because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. God bless her. Oh, you know what? I know you can say oh, somebody will dig into her background and say she, she took money from this Goldman Sachs guy. She got this and that. But it, just like what I was saying with Donald Trump, with when they get up and they say things like this, to be able to put these thoughts, but to, to put this energy into the public sphere, to have that taken in from people who were on the fence about something, who felt confused, who couldn't articulate what they were feeling, what they felt uncomfortable about. This is so important to have this said out loud. So important to have this said out loud. Let's continue. The perfect, she says, the, uh, the perfect consumer. <clears throat> That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family. For those that disgust, Though for those things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom. Because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. I like how she uses financial speculators. I like how she uses that. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. Chesterton. Now she whips out G.K. Chesterton. Ladies and gentlemen. I went and I grabbed some of the, you know, the best quotes of his I can find for the second half. This is an amazing, an amazing uh, author, American author, Christian thinker, philosopher, wonderful guy to, to, to look into. And she pulls it out. Chesterton wrote more than a century ago, she goes. Let's see if I can find it. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. That time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. That, that ability of knowing, of knowing that the enemy of all things is the enemy of common sense. Because to be the enemy of common sense to declare a war on something like that is to declare war on the stability of humanity. So to be able to have to draw swords to affirm that two plus two is four and that there's not some interesting way to see it different, it's, it's, in, it's incredible. So like I said, this is a two-minute clip. 
I, I'm going to have the full 14 minutes put up on the on the show afterwards, and um, it's just big. And why does this resonate? Well, we know why it resonates, and here's another example why. Here's another example why. Here is a here is Spain's Minister of Equality, another made-up post to make crazy women feel special. Here she is talking about how a child has a right to consent to sexual contact with adults. This is in Spain. Sino para hablar de educación sexual. But to talk about sex education, for example. Por ejemplo, que es un derecho de los niños y de las niñas. Which is a right of boys and girls, Madam Deputy. Señoría, independientemente de quienes sean Regardless sus familias, of who their families are. Niños, las niñas, because all boys, the girls, the children X, they actually found a way in Spanish to, 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 to put an X at the end of children. Children X of this country have the right to get to know their bodies. Guess what? You get to know your bodies pretty damn well over the course of a life. The problem is you want everybody to take a look at their bodies and everybody else's bodies in very sick, perverted ways between the ages of five and seven for some fucking reason. They have the right to get to know their body. Can you imagine the, the thousands of generations of humans that never were allowed to know their bodies before these creepy, handsy, busy bodies showed up in the 21st century? They started bringing drag queens in with... with to know that... Listen to this. To know that no adult can touch their body if they do not want them to. If they do not want them to. And that is a form of violence, if, if, of course, they don't have a long-standing sexual relationship with an adult, I, I assume. Children have the right to know that they can love or have sexual relations with whomever they want to. This is coming out of her mouth. Based, of course, on consent. And these are acknowledged rights that they have and that you don't like. Okay, so that's why Maloney's message is resonating. Because crime, the rape, the inflation, the social decay, it can't be hidden anymore. The fig leaf is gone. And, but it is a great sign, if you ask me, that we are at this stage. Because soon we will be at a point where a person like this over here in Spain, this, this minister of equality, uh, won't just be subject to heated debate on the internet. They will have to crawl through the sewers, the city sewers, to get out of the city safely. And that'll be a great day. But uh, boy, boy, I mean, that whole winning World War II thing, that really turned out well, didn't it? <laughs> Tens of millions of young boys slaughtered on foreign beaches and in foreign jungles for this shit, to pave the way for this shit. They made the whole world into, the Vi into Weimar Germany now. The whole world is Weimar Germany. And then they scream fascism when they start losing elections. All right, let's call up our good buddy, Rich Barris who should be hanging out with us. There he is. There's the man, the myth, the legend himself. Rich, how are you feeling? Living the dream, Frank, as always. You should Living be. Living the dream. You, now, are, before we could do anything else, please tell me yeah. that you are uh, safe from the hurricane or you have a plan. What's going on? Yeah, I'm in North, uh, North Carolina actually okay. right now, uh, but it would have rolled right over top of us if I was there. Or okay. at least that's what the Euro model says. And I'll tell you this, folks, as you know, 
I love models, whether they're political models or, you know, I'm just basically a data nerd. A uh, great resource is uh, tropicaltidbits.com. Uh, he's brilliant. He's also put together a lot of different models where you can compare. You know, I mean, Frank, the domestic modelers are not that great. You're, you know, someone who lived in Florida for a long time and has been through a lot of hurricanes. Uh, the Euro tends to be more accurate than not and uh or more accurate than anybody else and right now the euro model and has for several days uh showed that the high likelihood of running right through you know gainesville and that northern you know central central northern florida area um looks very high uh but i do still have family there so um you know we're preppers i'm, I'm pretty confident okay we, well, it's not not a first rodeo God, you know? I, I have to imagine that but the wife and kid are kids are with you yeah, yeah, they are. Everybody's in North Carolina with me. So, Happy to hear it. Which is, you know, if by some chance we got hit here, this place is fortified, brother. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Fortified you, and backed up. Yes. No, you, you're you're living with the pigs that bro that that built their houses with bricks. That's right. That's, That's it. Right. right. And be, I'll tell you what, where you know it's never hurts. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, with generators. Uh, this is why, uh, you know, one of our sponsors, man. I'm always, I'm always telling people, I'm not going to be caught left hungry. I'll tell you that. No. Never going to happen to me, brother. Morepatriots.com. <laughs> no. TPP10. Go ahead. <laughs> Promo code TPP10. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have plenty of hamburger helper. I have plenty of hand. Everything seems like hamburger helper in one way or another with those uh, those packets, but it's better than dying. So that's that's just what it comes. Out. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat well, Frank, and I'm not. You know, I'll be damned if I'm caught without a cup of coffee. Well, that's, that happening to me, brother. That, that that's something I have not done. I have not stored any kind of uh, sealed dried. Uh, beans or anything. Well, at least I have a tw I have a twenty two, so I can I can shoot squirrel, and uh, yeah. and, and geese. So that's <laughs> that'll be good. And then watch the drinks for the kids. The cocoa, you know, you keep the kids happy. Get them a cup of cocoa or something. I'm um, serious. You know, it's amazing how it could boost morale in a situation like that. I guess it you. really is. I can be considering it a lot more than I ever thought I would. Um, Rich, so newscasters in Italy, they are literally crying on television because of the election oh, of yes. Giorgio Maloney, uh, much like we were blessed to see in 2016 with the crying. Um, we saw Sweden swing right a couple of weeks ago. Uh, now this. Tell us first what you have gathered about these shifts in Europe. You know, at least, uh, you know, as far as just mentioned about the polls real quick, at least in Sweden, uh, you know, for the better part of the year, the polls uh, did, you know, show that that was coming. But they also had a foundation for a little bit longer. Right. Um, and then now in Italy, uh, when, and by the way, Brazil and Bolsonaro, uh, that's coming up, uh, even though the CCP is doing everything in their power to uh, to interfere there. No, but look, when it comes to Italy, uh, I think we saw some really disturbing stuff. We had people from the EU come out and basically say that, you know, Italy will be put on the chopping block if they vote for her and her party. Frank, at this point, if you are, it doesn't really matter the roots of your party, even if that is true or overblown in any way. What you're arguing on now is what matters. If you're pro-family, pro-faith, and pro-liberal nation-state order, you know, um, then you're far right. She is not far right by uh, any real standard, you know. But they were threatening to throw Italy out of. Look, this is what I think about all of this: is that it was inevitable. 
You know, we saw this, by the way, in Ireland, a few, uh, which some people would say, uh, you know, they're not at all right wing. Uh, but look, what? How did they? How did the globalists react to that? This is the party of the IRA, right? Now we have this is the party of Mussolini. What did these people run on? They ran against uh, these fanatical new culture changers that nobody supports, Frank. Nobody supports. Doesn't matter if it's Italy, America. And then they're running against the order itself, which is something they have to come to grips with. It's a failed order. All right, this experiment against nationalism, and let's face it, Thomas Narn, he is the heir to the Marxist school of thinking. He argued for many, many years that I, you know, nation, nationalism in general uh, represented the greatest failure of Marxism in the 20th century, and that this had to go away if we were going to create this new great global order. They have tried to do that. It has left behind large swaths of the countries in question you know of citizens in these countries it has not worked for them the rich and the divide the rich and the poor divide has grown even more so think about it if it is true or think about how much the media bellowed on about Mussolini and bellowed on about the IRA right and then in Sweden it's been like this for years because that particular party has been making the case against Islamofascism and stuff like that they have called these people every name in the book and yet they can't defeat them at the ballot box and and they go on tv and they have their normal ridiculous reactions instead of having what needs to happen a come to jesus moment saying look this is a reaction because our government has failed gov this idea of governance this new globalist order has failed it you can't just leave behind you know giant percentages of the population and then by the way try to impose your really fringe you know they keep far right far right the 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 cultural values that these people are espousing again are shared by nobody who's fringe and who's not right so i don't know how many you know uh clips you intended to play tonight but uh you know there really are uh a, a few where you can go and see how georgia won this thing and and she won it talking like an everyday common sense uh you know italian mother who uh, look it's about our faith it's about our family and i, I mean frank you know this you're proud to be italian <laughs> yeah. you're not going to tell me there's something wrong with being, you know, with having pride in my nationality, you know, and this is the stuff these people want to attack because their vision cannot move forward until that dirty word nationalism is stamped out. So over the last, uh, you know, six years or so since Brexit and Trump, globally, they have tried to attach this stigma to nationalism, and it's very much a fascist stigma. It's, uh, you know, this idea, again, that she's far right simply because uh, you know, she has nationalistic views is ludicrous. I mean, first of all, fascism really doesn't have to have a nationalist component. That's not the economic definition, but they throw it and attach it to everybody. They throw it at you. They try to paint you with the brush because that that idea is dangerous to them. They can't have it. They just can't. So, you know, in the end, it's their refusal to acknowledge that they failed. Their governing regimes are failures and they're crumbling. And they can even they can either crumble the democratic way or they can crumble the undemocratic way. What's yeah, it going to be? I know because people aren't going to take this forever and no. to pretend like you know that they can go on. You know, it, 
it's dangerous. It's not even about it's, it's not dangerous. even about financial malfeasance. It's not even about that anymore. We're, we're like one of the things I played before you got on the show with me was, and I asked the question. Now, why does Maloney's uh, message resonate so much? Well, aside from the fact that people are feeling it with the inflation, they're feeling it with uh, with yeah, with everything, with the, the way that they're being tracked, with uh, energy crisis. Wondering whether or not they're going to be able to heat their homes in the in the winter because of one war or another, um, but the the social decay. To hear a minister yeah. of equality in Spain talk about consent for children to have sex with adults, or it's okay as long as that there's consent of ch- children that don't know what the hell they want, or they don't know life, and it's just completely predatory. It's a predatory worldview, and it it seeks to completely whittle away and dissolve all necessary boundaries that gave life and civilization its form, its shape. And I think that's why the basic message of motherhood and fatherhood and personhood and uh, and, and, and country and, and faith is just, it's the greatest platform, aside from the truest platform, to hit your wagon to right now. And they're doing well. What do you think... You said you were you were a little disturbed by the kind of EU um, you know bruiser mentality about you're you're going to get muscled out of one thing or another if you keep going down this path. What do you think the prospects yeah. of more Brexits, Italexit, uh, anything else? What do you think the prospects of that, something like that happening with more European nation states? Yeah, I think they're inevitable. Uh, you know, the EU is a bicycle theory. You know, and and for those who don't understand what I mean by that, um, you know, the bicycle theory is this idea that you have to keep constantly pedaling the bike or else you do what? You fall over. The whole thing just comes down. The EU has always had this problem uh, and any real, uh, whether it's an economic cooperating bloc or whatever, the problem, especially when the members are insolvent, the problem is that you constantly need to add new people, new blocks, new members uh, to this to, to this idea, to this, you know, uh, conglomerate, because if you don't, the whole thing just falls apart. It's just inside. It's unsustainable. And I think in the end, people are starting to realize this now. But it, it's not just you, you said it. And, and it's very true. I think we could have went on like this for a while if it was just about the economics of it. Yes, there would be blowback and you saw Brexit and you saw, you know, uh, you know, that that and when it came to Ireland, they simply made the case. Uh, they just spoke almost nothing about nothing except for inflation. Uh, but I think we could have continued like this for a while if they didn't go after these new cultures things now, you know, with things that. You really don't have to be political to look back and say, you know, what the hell, what the hell's going on? In the U.S., we saw some of this too. And in Virginia, I tell people all the time, Glenn Youngkin won uh, that election for governor in Virginia because of groceries and grooming. You know, I mean, the, the margin with parents who had children, 18 years old and school aged, was enormous. And we all can, you know, try to talk about CRT, and I'm sure that played some role in it, Frank, but that's not what we heard when we were polling. What we heard is, did you hear about that girl who was raped in a bathroom in Loudoun because mm-hmm. they pushed that gender-neutral crap? Just, uh, you know, the other day and when we were polling Nevada, this guy, uh, you know, was looking for a comment to send a news outlet, and I was, they had asked me for a comment about the poll, and I, I decided I wanted to try to... Um, you know, represent someone who responded to that poll. And it was about the shift in the Hispanic vote. This guy in Vegas, these uh, 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 food and services, he really said it all. You know, he was like, 
man, you know, I, I got I got no wage growth. Uh, you know, this the cost of everything in Nevada is just ripping apart my paycheck, and I got to worry about whether I offend somebody with a pronoun. Get the hell out of here. He's like, I don't have, I can't afford to work to learn your new vocabulary. Okay, you know, and and this is a Hispanic guy who voted for Biden. Uh, he would vote for Trump this time. I mean, this is a huge shift. Um, that we're seeing, and I just want to point again, just want to point out in Sweden, a little bit different, but in Italy, those polls were close, Frank, until a few weeks ago. All right. What was they the were showing? It may look a little bit familiar to you, uh, but Georgia was only started to lead in like, you know, about a little bit in August. They took some lead, but it was close. Two points here, two points there. Um, they didn't pull away until the final two weeks. What was the difference? So, what, was the, what was the real difference? Because it sounds like her, her, her message has been consistent. Yeah, I, I think they're full of crap. That's what. <laughs> Gotcha. I mean, let me put it this way. In August 26th, the month before, uh, the poll was FDL 24 and then PD 22. And it stayed like that until September 13th. So what they when do. When it started to, or 14th, really. So I guess what they do with these polls, out. especially in the United States, too, is uh, depending on who they want to win, they will keep it as close or as in their person's favor as possible until they realize there's nothing that they can actually do to help the candidate and they have to start ceding some ground to the actual person who's winning or else they, they, they I mean they need to recover their reputation to be a viable player in the next election so I guess that's just what it is they just hold their ground until they have to start ceding something yeah, I, I really think that's where we're at, the cynic that I've become. I can't believe it. If you would have talked to me six years ago, I would have had a very different tone. But the fact of the matter is, it is what it is. Look at the ABC Washington Post poll that just came out, the, uh, what, yesterday. Um, you know, all of a sudden now, for the last week and a half, two weeks, we've been hearing the fake forecast crowd uh, talk about, oh, you know, people like Rich Barris who are complaining that they're still using registered voter models. You know, I don't really know if that uh, holds a lot of weight because I'm not sure that Republicans are going to get this huge boost from a likely voter poll anyway. Frank, when somebody is significantly more motivated, when someone is significantly more certain to vote, that is what goes into a likely voter model, uh, you know, well, or at least most, and then uh, others like myself uh, will look at voting history as well. You know, it's a little proprietary, and I want to get into the weeds on it, otherwise people will try to rip us off. Um, but the fact of the matter is, of course, we were going to see uh, a boost in Republican uh, numbers when or their lead when it came to switching from a registered voter to a likely voter. The ABC News poll was about even. It was Republican plus one or two on the registered voter. But the likely voter was Republican plus five. The ABC Washington Post poll is run by Langer Research. Langer Research took a beating last cycle because they were the ones with, uh, who gave Biden a 17-point lead in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, uh, you know, just before the election. So they are now trying to save face. And eventually now they're starting to buckle. Well, I guess, yeah, Republicans are, you know, they're more certain to vote. So it gives them a little bit of an edge. Um, I will caution people, though, they did this in 2020. They did it in states like Florida with Donald Trump. And they gave Trump a four point lead. And then at the last minute, flipped it to like Biden plus three or four. And they were grossly wrong. So, you know, don't don't put all of your faith in them. I'm simply saying that I really think that's where we're at now. I, I do. I think that that was a big deal to the eu it was a big deal to the powers that be when you resort to electoral extortion which is what they were doing hmm. i mean were they not trying or blackmail whatever you want to call it what were they doing 
You know, I mean, I said they were absolutely strong arming the Italian people. You vote for this woman and her party, and you're, you're gonna, there's going to be a price to pay for it. And, you know, they did it anyway. Why? Because there's a price for the status quo. Hmm. They pay a price every day for the status quo. So they said, you know, <laughs> I was going to say something in Italian, but I'm going to leave it go before somebody translates it. Yeah, uh, you know, they, yeah. They, it, it is, you know, it, it was worth the risk to them, Frank. Well, I then I guess I have to ask the obvious question about the United States now. And you brought up Nevada there. That'll lead me into a question specifically about the Senate. Um, and some of your colleagues, or, or I should say some of your peers, or no, colleagues, I don't know what the hell. I, I, I think you're in a league uh, unto yourself, really, Rich, but still. I appreciate that, my, my friend. So everyone, once and again, I mean, I think about the obvious here. June 2016, I was in California at the time for VidCon uh, doing a, uh, a show with the band, and all of a sudden, it's just on the same exact week as Brexit. So the Brexit vote was going on, and all these lefties, because a lot of YouTube content creators, they're from all over the world, because VidCon is so big, they're all at the convention, and I see some of them consoling each other in the hall. Always, uh, you know, asking some of their British friends, so what do you think about Brexit? And he's like, oh, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, I was in my glory. But aside from that, it became a really incredible bellwether as far as, far as what was on the way in the United States and with Trump. Um, now, do you, can you, do you extrapolate any of these trends in order to address domestic situations here at home? Because unlike any time in the past, we are all fighting the same enemies now. Uh, Europe, the United States, uh, it, it, we're all up against the same exact shit. I mean, we're getting pressure from all the same places, from the same people and the same institutions. Yeah. So I know that I always account for the Overton window being a lot more to the left um, in, the, uh, in the European uh, part of the world. But what do you, how much do you extrapolate out to, to try to pair this up with the U.S.? You know, I, I, I think that uh, the, the jury is still out on some of that, although uh, it clearly, you know, they're, they're, look, we're clearly seeing a rise of the populist right. Uh, and then there will be places, like I, I mentioned before, in Brazil, uh, where they're really going to throw everything they can at Bolsonaro to stop him. Uh, you know, Brexit did foreshadow what was going to happen with Trump in 16. But for me, it really comes down to electoral history in the United States. And that being said, um, you know, there are a few predictive indicator, predictive, uh, or there are a few indicators out there that, you know, have predictive value. And all of them point to this being a, a good Republican year, more than good. Uh, it's a first term incumbent midterm. Voter registration trends have not, despite this post Dobbs nonsense you're hearing about, uh, the trends themselves. We just had a primary. Uh, records update in the voter files and we do modeling based on that it's machine learning and wisconsin ticked guess where to the right again because uh it was a reversal of 2018 when democrats outvoted republicans in wisconsin the opposite happened this time so you know between voter registration trends economic indicators the president's approval rating which frank even if it bounced back to 45 which it's not but let's just let's play play nice and give them, let's concede that maybe Biden's approval bounced back to 45%, which I think is dead in the water after that last inflation report. It's still wipeout territory. And I've gone over this on the show now a couple of times. Even popular presidents have gotten, you know, have, have been 
cursed by that first term incumbent midterm. And part of that is that Republic, uh, uh, Americans <laughs> said, whoops, Freudian, Americans like to generally put a check on the party that's in the White House, especially if they have one or both branches uh, or, or legislative cha- chambers. Obama was, you know, in some polls, 47% when he lost 60-something seats. Democrats are not that overextended this time. But the economy is in poor shape. Every, the voter knows we're in a recession, despite the media's Orwellian um, you know, d- discourse over it. Everyone knows we're in a recession. The inflation fears are reheightened now after that last report. Uh, gas prices, I don't know if anybody's following this, but you're going to feel it at the pump. The reason we had a drop in gas prices had nothing to do with Joe Biden emptying the strategic reserves like other Democratic presidents have done instead of just having sound energy policy. They had to do with uh, most states outside of California, which will do it in, I think it's November 1st, most states uh, switching to the cheaper winter blend. It's all over AAA's website. I mean, people can see it for themselves. But we're now seeing a bounce back again because, uh, you know, you have that dip after summer. They change the blend. Things get a little cheaper. Then it's going to rise again. So I think any hope that Biden was going to have for this bounce back is done. And by the way, that ABC News Washington Post poll had him lower than we had him by a point. So they had him at 39. It's not a consensus that his approval rating is bouncing back. That, of course, leaves right direction, wrong track as one of the uh, remaining predictive indicators. And it's in historically terrible territory. Ours improved last month, but it's still improved. Right? It's like when you're at the bottom, Frank, where else can you go? Right. So we're making this big deal over an improvement. OK, so when it went from absolutely to, you know, still very abysmal. Oh, let's jump up and down and talk about how Democrats are going to buck the history of midterm uh, curses. The only person or party to do that was 2002, George W. Bush. And let me just say this because I, I want people to hear this. The difference here, it was historic in a historic event. 9-11, people just felt like Republicans could keep them safer. They were scared. So they did something they never do, which is give the in-party pow- uh, in-power party even more power. That is why I think, and I, I, you know, I'm comfortable saying this, Democrats are trying to, whatever, it's January 6th, it's MAGA and red speeches looking like Hitler. Hmm. They're trying, you know, proclaiming this other side, not just as a political opponent, but a domestic terrorist. This is an attempt to try to recreate some of that post 9-11 fear wow, yeah. in the electorate. Great. It is, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Absolutely. But it's not going to work. Yeah, and, and okay, so the, I have a couple of things to read to you first. And then let me, oh, wait. First of all, let me ask you if you hear this. I'm just going to play anything just to hear if you can. Uh, here's a prank phone call. Do you hear this? Looks like. I stole my phone yeah. to him last night. You hear that? Okay, so you can hear audio. So I'm going to play something after I read this. The first one is from a blog written by one Don Serber, and it is real clear politics versus your your good buddy Nate Silver. Here is three short sentences. It, it, he's pretty much asking who's right about their predictions. It, uh, it says 538 Nate Silver's site. 
said Republicans can lose up to 30 seats in the House and seven seats in the Senate in a feat that defies all logic and 200 plus years of congressional history. If you're a Republican and visit Real Clear Politics site, you believe the Senate election is in the bag because our Red, uh, Real Clear Politics says Republicans will keep all seats they now have and pick up Georgia and Nevada, as you were, you were talking about before. Furthermore, Real Clear Politics says Republicans already have gained six House seats they need for a majority and could add up to 32 more seats. Logic and history say six to 38 seat gain is lowballing it for the party out yeah. of power. So who is right? I would say that you are a lot more in line with RCP. I'll tell you what, I applaud uh, the, the guys at RCP for doing something this year that they have never done, which is put up a forecast that doesn't isn't just dictated by the polls. So the RCP no toss-up map for years has always just depicted what the averages say on the map. However, that product has been uh, greatly diminished by the advent of really crappy polling. So this time they're handicapping it a little bit more, which I applaud them for doing. Because listen, Pennsylvania is another controversial call in that map. Oz now is well within the historic average era overstating Democrat support in the state over the last three cycles of polling. Well within it. We just polled Nevada. Laxalt has a, we had it up by two. We took a tremendous amount of heat because we showed them slightly leading with Hispanics, but the white vote was uh, much closer than expected. And he had a, uh, a lead with independence uh, that that was double digits. And, you know, people like Ralston, who would, you know, agree with Nate Silver on just about everything because those people are wishful thinkers. They're not political analysts. He was crashing the poll and basically saying if this lead with independence was 18 points, then he'd be leading by double digits. It, it, I don't know how these people get jobs, Frank. Dean Heller won double digits among independents and he barely eked out Nevada. Mitt Romney won them by seven, he lost Nevada. Donald Trump won them by 13, he lost Nevada. You have to win them by 20, 21 points in order to have a shot if you are a Republican. These people just come up with whatever they want to say and come up with. Again, I you know, I spend my life criticizing Nate Silver, but folks, it's not a model. He's not a forecaster. He's not even a pollster. There has been no evidence outside of polling, which, by the way, unless somebody can point it out to me, I have yet to, you know, I have yet to see them correct their Democrat bias that's been going on now for the better. People keep talking about since 2016. It's before 2016 that they've been doing this. You realize the state of North Carolina has not accurately been polled in 10 years? No. 10 years. Since 2012, they've blown every single election in the state of North Carolina. Wisconsin, among the worst, another one we polled. We have Johnson up by three. Oz, I'd love to re-poll again. The last time we did, we had him down by about three. But, I mean, Frank, he was in the 40s in Allegheny County. All he ever had to do was consolidate his base, went over the more conservative areas of the T, and um, which for people, you know, there's like, the shape of Pennsylvania, it's conservative running up in the shape of a T, okay? Um, yeah, and then you have southeastern politics, which are different, and then Allegheny out west and Erie out west, which can be different. So that's they, they call it the T 
Um, yeah, I mean, all he ever had to do was consolidate it, and he would take the lead from Fetterman. Pennsylvania, Pat Toomey was never going to win, Frank, remember? The polls showed he didn't have a prayer. He led early, but then Donald Trump was bringing the whole party down with him, and Pat Toomey was down in, in some polls, their gold standard polls, by double digits, 12 points, Franklin and Marshall. He was down uh, the day before the election, and he won it. Pretty, you know, not it was close, but he won it, um, you know, uh, that night. And the same thing with Ron Johnson. At least he's leading in a handful of polls this time. In the last time he was up for re-election, he didn't lead in a single poll. There was one poll, Laraz College, months before the election that had him up by five, and then they heard it to him going down, uh, you know, by five, and yet he won by four, almost four points comfortably, and it was called pretty early on election night. So I'm looking at the real clear politics map. My money's on them, and by the way, we've put out our own Senate forecast, and the states are the same. The only difference is I put out a degree of certainty with those states. Florida isn't leans Republican. Florida is likely Republican. North Carolina is not leaning Republican. It is likely Republican. Arizona, we still had in the D column as of uh, about 10 days ago. We'll have to re, uh, retool it and see. Um, you know, a lot of money's being spent there now for Blake masters and he uh by all accounts aside from one aarp poll uh shows that he's closing the gap but everybody else uh georgia new hampshire and arizona are the only two that are listed as toss-ups the eight toss-ups right now they are the only two frank where the republican lead is not within the average era over the last three cycles people really have to remember this it's hard because you're hit with these polls day after day and you think, oh, I guess the state's uh, lost. Like, it's really going to be that close. Uh, the polling is the only indicator showing any competitiveness in these states. Every other predictive indicator from the economy to registrations uh, to the machine learning models, which peg you on primary vote and c campaign contributions, everything else is pointing to these states, not, not toss-ups. They're leaning Republican. And by the way, in New Hampshire, I think Baldack just got a late start. He, Hassan has always been vulnerable. Uh, so if there is an election and things just tip one way, like is often the case in a first term incumbent midterm, you're going to see states, the polls never suggested they're going to see them fall. Remember Warner versus Gillespie in 2014? Mm -hmm. Warner's lead was nine to 11 points. He barely eked it out by what, 2,400 votes? Something ridiculous in a state like Virginia. They always do this. And I know it's hard to watch, and it's sad because, uh, you know, it's almost like insanity a little bit, right? Yeah, you can't. You know? and, and, and the I, same thing. And I know no most, like I said, Rich, the reason why talking with you is so valuable on a on on this level is not only can you talk about anything and you're a wonderful commentator on, on world and culture and all that, but I, I think a lot of people out there, this is your work is most useful to people who just want to be able to confirm what they are feeling and seeing out in everyday life with people. Uh, uh, there, uh, like uh, we're very jaded when it comes to trusting what is going to come out of this election, and uh, by the especially with the people we know have utmost influence over it. But these yeah. are always great scientific metrics. Understanding really where people's hearts and minds are in, in comparison to the ridiculous projections on the media, and, and here's one of those things. I have a um, a little bit of a clip here, Michael Moore talking to Bill Maher. <laughs> 
And he's expressing such confidence in a landslide victory for Democrats. I guess he's hoping for that 9-11 once every 200 years push. Um, But just listen to this. Listen to this for a quick moment. I think, and and I have never felt this optimistic. And I and you know I was on your show here, um, what's now six years ago, when I said that Trump was going to win, and uh, the audience booed me, and you stood up for me. Um, I was just saying what I look. I'm out. I'm around. I, you know, I'm from the Midwest. I think I had a pretty good sense of what was going to happen. I think the opposite's going to happen this time. I think that that there is going to be such a landslide against the traitors, especially the 147 Republicans who just hours after the insurrection voted to not certify the elected president. Just hours after the insurrection, which if there was an insurrection, then they wouldn't be there. There would be a new government. But just hours. I guess guess there hasn't been enough 40-something-year-old Biden voters mowing down enough 18-year-old Republicans. I know. He needs to use words like that. I I got got a word for you. Atkins diet. All right? That's what I got for you, Michael Moore. Well, how many how many more incendiary words do we have to use? We need to send out another crackhead nutjob gunman to shoot Republican lawmakers because of their rhetoric. How many how many more events do we need like this? My question to you, Rich, is what is making this socialist transgender grandma, uh, Michael Moore, so confident? I listen. I understand. What the Bolsheviks have well, been, what historically, what Bolsheviks have been willing to do to gain and maintain power throughout history, I understand that. So I don't doubt the possibility of of defeat coming from many sources at their hands. But is there anything truly organic about th- that Michael Moore could be confident in, or is he really just enjoying the suppression polls and the forced headlines about Democrat momentum gains? I mean, what the hell? I, I mean, no pun intended, but what the hell has gone right for the left? He lives in that world where this excitement over abortion would be visible, right, and palpable on, in his everyday life. He'd be able to experience it because everywhere we're polling, and I just did this in Wisconsin and Nevada, the abortion issue increase, right, when you ask what is your most important voting issue, it's being driven by them. So if you're Michael Moore and you live in that world and you run in those circles, then you're going to see it and you're going to think it's real. And he says, I'm from the Midwest. I just pulled the Midwest. Nobody in Wisconsin outside of Democrats who are going to vote for Mandela Barnes gives a damn about abortion. They care about cost of living. They care about the economy and jobs. You know what the other one, which was tied with abortion? Immigration. And after that was election integrity. (laughs) That's where the people of Wisconsin are at. Even in the ABC News poll, where did abortion fall? And they rank uh, top issues a little bit differently than we do. They ask, you know, say, is it very important, uh, extremely important? In their extremely category, it was number five, and it was a distant, a distant number five. The other three out of five, or if we even call them the top five, really there were four clustered together. In the top four, Republicans had historic leads on trust to handle issues, um, at, at, you know, and out of three out of four, and Democrats and the other one, which was education, had a very modest six-point lead. Uh, you know, when it came to cost of living, inflation was like 19 points. The economy and jobs, similar double digits. 
I think Michael Moore is uh, suffering from his own biases. Plus, who's his source? You're just bringing up Nate Silver. This is a guy, this is how, let me explain to you the bubble. I released Wisconsin. It was a CDM big data poll. CDM Media sponsors some of our polling. CDM.press if you want to check them out. I released Wisconsin. I was the first one to do it. And we had Johnson up by three. We have to hear hell about it because of all the other polls, right? For 12 hours until Emerson drops a Johnson plus four. And then Marquette's Johnson plus one. Then now Trafalgar and on and on and on. We have to hear this all the time, right? And, uh, after all of that, four or five bulls, after all of that, what is 538, right? Their, their article, maybe 24 hours later, you know, the polls are looking good for Democrats in Wisconsin. Mm. I mean, if you want to live in your own bubble, believe me, you'll find population you there, no problem, and you'll sit real tight. You know, and 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 you're you're comforted by that that confirmation of your own bias. And I think Michael Moore he spends a little bit too much time in those circles and not enough time out in places like Juneau, Wisconsin, where people just again just didn't give a damn outside of the Democratic voter. And the same thing was true in Nevada, by the way. And I'm telling you, the more minority areas that are battlegrounds, the better Republicans are going to do because who cares less. The working class Hispanic, they didn't care at all about abortion unless they were a Democrat Hispanic, you know, like a partisan. Uh, if they were a working class, anyone who truly is persuadable, it was overwhelming. Jobs in the economy and inflation. And then they also don't like the woke stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were some moderate white voters in places outside of Dane, you know, Milwaukee, you know, where that may have some appeal to them, Frank. But it's not the abortion issue hyping enthusiasm among their own base is not going to buck decades and decades and decades of you know historical data it's just not going to happen a plane has not hit the world trade centers a plane did not crash into the pentagon we are not newly declared in a state of war this is nuts to try to think that this is going to, uh, you know, mirror the situation we saw in O2. I know. And by the way, by the way, you know, George W. Bush approval rating 63%. Two other presidents were at 61 in lawsuits. I mean, this is a little bit crazy. Uh, it, it is. Crazy. It is. It is. Especially since nobody believes that he, he's even flirting with 40%. Um, I, I, I don't, nobody even believes that. But it just goes, I mean, I don't understand where the confidence comes from. They should be paying the ultimate political price right now. Because it, 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 let's, let's stand aside from all of the energy issues, war footing, um, the, the cultural decay, everything that, had, that has come down our, our way from the last two years. On top of their platform being lifeless, they insisted for two years that the injections that they forced on the people or lose their jobs were safe and effective. And now we are running child myocarditis commercials on the regular on television. They should be paying the ultimate political price right now for all the lies and all the and all the nonsense. And I, I do like the um, that I did like that one clip of Kamala Harris having a hard time uh, confronting the loss of Hispanic voters, though. That um, somebody asked her just point blank, what, what uh, you know? How do you account for the Hispanic vote be currently being lost in big ways for the Democrat Party? And she had to divert to talking about how Hispanic uh, Hispanic people love the the 
the school loan forgiveness. Like she, she had to, she had to talk about <laughs> that school. Doesn't... Loan. Right. It was incredible. That helps white and Asian people. Can we be real for a second? Did you hear this? this... <laughs> Did you hear it though? Yeah, I I, uh, I saw a clip of it on Twitter. I, yeah, you it was just a clip. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it was just a small clip. But if if anybody hadn't heard it, I can get it up right here. Hold on, let me press play because it's very. You should. Short. Abandoned faith, lost touch with Latinos. Okay, listen to this. Do you think that your party, the Democrat Party, has lost touch with Latinos? I will tell you, I have been um, so proud to be here with Latino leaders in Milwaukee talking about the work that we have done as an administration that has been focused on the Latino population. I'm here at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, I've been meeting with students and these Latino leaders, leaders know and have thanked us for the work that we have done to relieve student loan debt. You think that's what that's that's her that's her answer. Folks, that's like 0.4% of the population in the state of Wisconsin. That will absolutely help nothing but white liberals and some Asians, obviously, who fall within the right uh, income bracket. Uh, but notice she said actually legals instead of leaders at first. Um, this does show, though, again, just really shows she's in Milwaukee and she's trying to make a pitch. The truth is she's trying to make a pitch to Hispanic voters in a white upon white state uh, with a, you know, on a campus that is uh seriously white and liberal so it does show you how out of touch they are um you know again i think people should really look for some of these battlegrounds in the house but also to in the senate i have for for people who just for context frank uh i hate polling the state of nevada because i always believe that republicans are overrepresented i myself do not have a polling history of overrepresenting republican support but before 16 that absolutely was true 2010 2012 2014 um and in parts of 2016 even the cnn poll had trump actually carrying uh the state of nevada for a while there and and i you know i, I i've saw it and i you know just really believe until something fundamentally shifted it really wasn't worth polling in 2020 i took it off the map for the public polling project because i told people it probably wasn't going to be that close and then it was and i'm telling you polling it right now if that is what needed to happen for the for the equation to change right you really needed to change the entire equation for the math to work is my point and it has if people, you know, I, I haven't released it yet because I've been saving it for the show, but if people think that uh, Laxalt's lead with Hispanics was surprising, wait till they see how Donald Trump is doing against Joe Biden in that state. And interestingly enough, somebody who was, it was a reporter who did, did an article on our polling and, and uh, brought up another poll which showed uh, the same. And also it asked about uh, DeSantis versus Biden. And while the margins look similar overall, it was because DeSantis did a little bit better with the white vote and Trump did significantly better with the Hispanic vote. And as we, you know, as time goes on here, uh, you know, the people that Kamala Harris is pandering to right now are going to shrink as a share of the electorate. This concept that Republicans should go back and try to max out the white vote and win more of the educated vote, it's a loser, Frank. It's a short and long-term loser because they're not coming back in the short term, barring some serious economic calamity, such as a Great Recession or worse, which is very possible in the direction we're going. But I'm saying barring that and, uh, you know, they're, they're in the short term, they won't be back. And then in the long term, 
even if you did win them back in significant numbers, it's not going to matter as much as it once did because their share of the electorate will have shrunk significantly in the mid to long term. Who will matter? The people that Donald Trump is, uh, is appealing to in Nevada, which gives him a five to seven point lead depending on the weight variable or the modeling, you know, the electorate modeling. Uh, that was unheard of four years ago, Frank. Unheard of. Yeah. Unheard of. And the four-year-ago Rich Barris would have said, I don't want to hear it. It's not going to happen. But it is now because they did this. They forced this realignment. You know, funny, we were talking about Sweden before. People are always shocked to hear that that party actually does very well with the Muslim migrants they have to Sweden. You know, and they're the ones who are supposed to be Islamophobes. A very similar dynamic going on over here because the truth is they didn't go to Sweden to make it more like Iran or to make it more like this. Other, these people uh, are assimilating, and as they do, and they're met with these like woke liberal white leftists, they they don't speak that language. It's it's more foreign to them than anything they could have imagined encountering in a different land. Know. You know, so I mean, it's foreign to most of the domestic population right yeah. so imagine how it comes across to them similar things we we're seeing happen here with this map I, I really do think the biggest errors are usually in the white working class areas with polls i think we're going to see some pretty big errors in hispanic areas frank because uh you know i, I again it's I really can't overstate this when you come out and the president of the united states with a creepy red background looking like emperor palpatine declares half the country an enemy of the state believe me they're not going to be answering polls the way that uh you know maybe they would have on any other given day oh, i know they see raids every day they see attacks they see 18 year olds getting mowed down if you don't think that's going to lead to some of these voters just kind of disappearing off the map you know and they would they by the way they're going to reappear in November, I, I I'm I'm waiting for it, but that's just. Uh, I really do think that's going to happen, Frank. I've seen too many parts. You know, the participation rates drop off. You know, and by the way, the polling industry said it's all Donald Trump's fault for this response bias. And once Trump is gone, things are going to go back to normal. Well, that has not happened. No. And it's in fact in many places gotten worse. Well, I think that goes right back around to what we were talking about in the beginning. That this is uh, the, why I ask if someone like you does any kind of extrapolation uh i mean because we saw the same thing before 2020 i didn't didn't the uk have like some major landslide realignment in their parliament uh, parliament uh, oh yes yeah so when we saw that we we're like okay well we had brexit in 2016 right before trump and then all of a sudden the uk parliament had to pretty much get a clean house and it goes uh it uh, relatively conservative for them and we're like well yeah, the wind is blowing. The European winds are blowing, and what are we going to do? What are we going to say to this? So I think uh, once again, most people like me who aren't who aren't really held to a standard that you are in your work, we just see um, we just see little people around the world acting and reacting in a certain way and we we get our confirmation that things are changing that way. As far as all of our disappointments when election weeks and months uh, show up. I think that that's going to take a little. I don't know what's going to take for a lot of us to get our confidence back in in the uh, the charade we're about to engage in in November. But uh, while while there is a charade to play with, we might as well play. That's what I say. What the hell? What does it matter? But um, it's interesting to 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 look at it this way. And I think that the patterns are encouraging because you know the projection is just the projection. I'd rather take the reality behind it. 
Yeah, I you know I'll say this uh, two two things. One is they 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 want you to think it's hopeless. I want to I want to say this. They want you to think it's hopeless, and they want to put out these polls, and they want you to think that it doesn't really matter what you do because at the end of the day they're going to do something. I'm you know we're on tube here, so I'm going to be careful. They want you to think that. But folks, uh, you know, look at New Jersey, look at Virginia, look at uh, Minnesota one, which they tried to use as a good example of a Democrat performance itself. It's insane how they compare these things. Um, it, when people vote, there's not a whole lot uh, that they, you know, you're still in charge is what I'm trying to say. All right. And two, this is another problem with the polls we often don't talk about. It reminds me, you know, of my so years ago my son's uh tennis coach he was a liberal and on and he really supported andrew gillum for governor in florida and i remember you know the gillum plus 12s you know quinnipiac gillum plus seven gillum plus five this not desantis didn't lead in a single damn poll um there's two sides to this one is it consistently understates Republican support. Republicans think it's all part of a greater conspiracy and scam to basically rob them. And then the other side of this is that we doesn't get as much attention is something like from his point of view, which is that he also saw conspiracies everywhere because how could how could Ron DeSantis have won? He believed those polls, hook, line, and sinker. He believed Nate Silver, hook, line, and sinker. So when they're wrong, the other side of this believes something must have happened, something fishy must have happened, because there's no way, if you go back to 04, the Democrats have been susceptible to these arguments for years. Hmm. They literally objected to electors in the U.S. Senate over exit poll analysis that basically concluded that there was no way no way that George Bush could have won the state of Ohio because the exit polls couldn't have been that wrong. I mean, Frank, they have a long history of this, and they keep making these missed calls like this, leading to Republican landslides. And mark my words, you're going to hear Democrats say that the election was you-know-what and that uh, the polls couldn't be this wrong. They're not understating uh, Republican support. In fact, Republicans are doing something, They're doing, even though they Man. control nothing. You know, but that's going to come. And I just, uh, you know, I've, I'm he I hear whispers of this from people, uh, you know, here and there. And it's building up. It's building up. So a few more of those misses. And, uh, you know, look, Nate Silver himself before 2020 and Seltzer released her poll showing Trump up by seven in her final Iowa poll. And he said, I'm not going to entertain this. If Donald Trump wins tomorrow, it'll be because he stole the election. He said that on Twitter. He put it on Twitter himself. So this cuts both ways, you know, and it's a it's a danger and we need to get our act together. Yeah. Because it's it's supposed to serve a vital function, Frank. It is. And it's not doing that. No. No, it's not. And that, that split in perspective and yeah. how emotionally charged everything is 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 the most dangerous thing because you can say both sides think the other side has a problem with cognitive dissonance, but uh, it, 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 it's got to be a little it's got to be a little bit more one than the other. It's I mean yeah. especially since if you dig deeper into the the system, the government, the media that works alongside of the government, the intel community, you look at the overall culture of government, you know what the where the where the prevailing winds are blowing and you know what kind of uh what kind of um 
I don't know, what inspiration there is or motivation there is to preserve things the way they are and to not really deviate outside of what is obviously a very tightly controlled system. So uh, I think that's the only real way for anybody to break the cognitive dissonance of um, their particular party's worldview and then see a little bit more how everything is ensnared in it and we are, are, are really just... We're doomed to bicker with each other while you have these assholes on both sides, including like the Lindsey Grahams out there who are just working. No, yeah, you know, that, horrible. Yeah, we we opened up with that. That that's a that is a uh, a sabotage job with that abortion ban bill on a number of levels. It sabotages the Supreme Court's ruling, and everybody being able to accept that was a correction, a course correction. It uh, it, it pretty much uh, wipes that all out and. Uh, and what? What try? Is he trying to create momentum where there is none? So it's um, it's something that I think people are breaking out of slowly, though. So that's good, Rich. That's good. I, I like that. Um, did you see the uh, the rocket? The rocket dry oh, oh, whizzing by you over the weekend on the East Coast from Florida? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I did not see it. You know, it's just one of those times, Frank, where you forget to look up. I will mention, too, uh, Jupiter is supposed to be the biggest star in the sky tonight. It won't be as big again, folks. It's going to be the closest to the Earth. Um, Frank, I want to say it's been a long time because I'm, you know, I'm big on on, I love space. I I do. Um, It's the closest it's been in 59 years and won't be this close again until the year 2129. So if you can go check out Jupiter tonight, it's the largest star in the sky. Or it's not a star. It's the largest light in the sky. That rocket went right by. I took took video of it. I said it, it just flew right by Jupiter. And it has been massive, yeah. I mean, the the the, the planets have been, they have been uh, really spectacular this entire summer. When I was down in, in South Carolina, missing a lot though. And <laughs> I am in August, yeah. It, I, I I was able to see some great things at the at nighttime on that beach, and um, it's been good. It really has been. But you know what? The uh, October's coming. You're going to be coming back. I got you back on the on the show on October 24th, and then on November 7th, the day before. Do a little bit of a a, a primer, so uh, I maybe on the twenty fourth. I thought Laura bumped it up. I thought Laura got. I thought Laura increased it. She didn't do that. I told her. Well, to. I, well, I, t- I thought you guys worked on that. Well, like I did. Weaker every two weeker. Yeah. Well, well I, I get my head. Well, I could put you. Well, we can find another place from now until the twenty fourth. But yeah, I, I was text just her with that. Let's get there because we're gonna have a lot of polls coming out. You okay. Want to go over them? All right. Yeah, well, we, even know, if we do sh- like. You come on for like a a, a rich bearish uh, bearish crash course segment, like fifteen to twenty minutes of just what's coming out. I just wanted to make sure that we had a late October and then a primer right before actual voting day there. So I, we have those two dates, but I'll work something out with Laura um, because on the twenty fourth we'll do the full, I don't know, forty five minutes or so. We got to do something spooky, you and I. It's it's Halloween, <laughs> so yeah. I'll figure yeah, something. let's get creative. Yeah, I'll figure something out for that. But let everybody know. Uh, leave everybody with some thoughts and some plugs for your. So I have the. I have your locals URL in the description of the episode, and uh, so people can know where to find you there and to support you there. But let everybody know where to find you and all your broadcast scheduling. Yeah, that's the. I mean, locals is the best place. Uh, so thanks for that. That's peoplespundit.locals.com. People can uh, check out the. Uh, public polling project we, we do a lot we do stuff for cd media 
but then the national and Nevada was for the public polling project. Uh, so if people want to check it out and support us there, they can because it's a publicly funded project. There's no uh, sponsor, corporate sponsor or anything. That, that is me doing the best job I can for the people who put the money in, which is you. Uh, so they can go to bigdatapoll.com and just scroll to the bottom, and you can read a lot about it. You can, you know, decide whether you can contribute. You want to contribute to it, and even if not, share it far and wide. We'd really appreciate it. Um, on Truth and Getter at People's Pundit on Twitter at People's underscore Pundit, and it looks like tomorrow we're going to do what are the odds, Barnes and I, at 7 p.m. Nice. Uh, Monday was not working uh, for him, and he said, "Look, can we do this Tuesday at 7 p.m.?" And I'm thinking, "Oh Lord, you know, let's do it." Um, I get, it's only one Tuesday a week, right? So as we get closer to the election, and then inside the numbers is Wednesdays and Fridays at noon. If uh, that's, I was going to add Monday as we get closer to the election. All right, so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you can basically just bank on it uh, from this point going forward. Now that we're about to head into October, fantastic. You gotta, you know, there's a lot to cover. It's a, really a lot to go over. I, it must be blinding for someone like you, for seriously. And and that'll be good because tomorrow when I get off air, uh, I'll be able to go and check out what you and Barnes did in the rerun. And um, uh, yeah, absolutely, my friend, absolutely. Hey, maybe one That's of these, like, maybe one I'm of these nights, seven o'clock. Well, I'm saying if you guys ever did a seven o'clock show and we have overlap. Uh, maybe we do a, a, a you know, a group, uh, a simulcast for like a little, a, little, little synergy segment. Yeah, yeah, half hour. Like, like a like a, a half hour overlap through. It, it'd be interesting. It, it really would. We share some audiences for a second. We talk because with Barnes on, as you know, and you too. But with the three of us to be able to go into, you know, psychological conditioning, uh, hidden history, all that stuff to talk about the real times yeah. that we're living in. That would be insane. That's what I was bring up that you and Barnes on the hidden history stuff. That would be uh, that would be good. That would make some. Let's talk about how to do that. Um, because uh, that would that would that would be that would make for some entertaining time, Frank. Yeah, it would. Yeah. And at first, I was like, ah, seven o'clock at night. You know, I, you know, when you got kids, you know, I don't have to tell you. You yeah. know, in school. Um, you know, it's, but it's if it's one day a week, I imagine it can't be uh, that you know interrupted and. Um, you know, I'm willing to try to make it work. Now, really, uh, not at all cost, but at you know, at, as much as I can, because I know people like it. They were disappointed uh, that we've missed, uh, you know, a bunch of them, a bunch. And I've been kind of deciding whether or not it's it's either I get what are the odds on track. We should, you know, we we get it going again, or I'll put inside the numbers on Monday. And then Laura and I were talking about it. And we're like, look. <laughs> With the election, I'm burning, you know, I'm burning through two hours of show like that. And I'm like, wow, I forgot to get through this crosstab. You know, so it's adding another Monday would be best. I haven't even gotten to Trump v. Biden in Nevada with the poll yet. Yeah, it's, crazy. it's never enough. It's never enough, especially when you're it's doing what enough. you're doing. Two, two hours is really nothing, um, especially when you are nope. as content and data heavy as as you are. But a, anyway, I, I think it's going to be great. Seven o'clock is a nice time, especially during this time of year. There's something there's something ionized about it. You know, being live at night in the middle of autumn, I, I think the world just charges you up. I love broadcasting at this time of year. So you'll have a good time, and thanks again for coming by, Rich. It's great to see you, and all the best to Laura and the kids. The fall is reinvigorating, always has been. You as well, my friend. You as well. Thanks. All right. Be well. I'll see you soon. You bet you will. Take care. 
All the best. All the best. Only the best. Richard Barris. There he is. There he went. I hope that you had a good time with that. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll see what you guys and gals are saying in the Super Chats. That's quite frankly, superchat.com. Please, ladies and gents, I don't often plug myself in this way, but I, I, I feel the need every once in a while. It's so important to support independent media that you enjoy. Just like Richard Barris, you can find his locals in the description of this episode. At the bare minimum, for me, for quite frankly, give this episode a thumbs up, share it, give it to friends, give it to family, a five-star review on, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen or watch. Everything else can be found on quitefrankly.tv, especially on the Sponsor Us page, where you can weigh all of your options to contributing uh, to the bottom line monthly. I have spots for pen pals, postcards, you get monthly Polaroids from me, and much more on Subscribestar or right through quitefrankly.tv. No matter what you get, even if you don't become a like a higher tier with all these specialty rewards, even just a dollar a month gets you prioritized messaging and direct messaging. Uh, there's also the uh, links that you get every Sunday for the unlisted live streams that we do. Only me and the sponsors on Sunday afternoon for a little while. Those are always amazing. And then now, starting in November, we are adding all of our monthly sponsors every month into a monthly giveaway raffle. And you're just going to get random things, relics from the show, bags of coffee, T-shirts, all that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit more for you. Thank you, guys and gals. Send this show around, and we will be right back after the intermission to get down to some more important, fun, relieving, nighttime broadcasty things. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. Quite frankly. 
dare you? Back in the studio, you and I, just you and I. Um, let's go and check out our super chats to see who has joined us tonight with some thoughts. Oh, I also have some new, I have some good stuff, new threads. I don't know if we're going to get around to the doctor nurse's story, but there's still more and they're really good. So we're not going to lose those. In fact, we might just do them to, oh no. We might do them tomorrow after Ryan Gable. Tomorrow night's going to be great. But, uh, let's see. Stick Chick says, Frank, beware of cat scratch fever. That's what I hear. I hear about that a lot. Thank you. Thank you for that, Stick Chick. Uh, Silky Johnson says, Hey, Frank, hope your weekend was well. Did you ever watch the Discovery show, A Haunting, a good show? The uh, acting could be cheesy and overdramatic, but they give the people a platform to share their story, and it wasn't mocking or treated as hogwash. Hogwash. I thought it was, I thought it was hogwash. Hogwash. It's hogwash. No, I've not seen it though. I'm interested in stuff like that, though. I never find myself at home. I remember a time where 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night used to be a, uh, a time to be winding down and you're on the couch and you're watching some stuff, some of it mindless, some of it things that you're picking out. Like There was a time where my, my broadcast schedule from 2006 until 2010 was just Tuesday and Thursday nights. Now, we would go for many hours Tuesday and Thursday nights, and when it started off in 2006, we start we, we went live at 1 a.m. on Friday nights. Then when we moved it home, we said, let's give ourselves a, let's give, our, give ourselves a break. Let's just go live at 11 p.m. Tuesday and Thursday nights from home. My mother would be downstairs at me and Anthony in our high school, uh, college years, because I was a junior, so he was a freshman in college. We turned our, my bedroom was across the hall from his. We turned our rooms into our, our broadcast stations and Mike would be by and we would hang out until 11 o'clock to start our show to no one, broadcasting to almost no one from 11 to one. And then we're like, all right, let's, how about we go 12, uh, 10 to 12? How about we do nine to 11? And that's, that, that's where 9 to 11, yeah, that, that's what we did. And then it was, I think it was 9 to 10 at one point, toward around 2010 when I started doing more, quite frankly, on different, different nights in the earlier iterations of the show. But, um, but yeah, there used to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights where I was just watching movies, movies that I thought would be cool to spark some conversation on air, other things... Very weird. Very weird to think about now. Why did I bring all that up? Because I think about a Discovery Channel show about hauntings and think, well, wow, I could be home on the couch checking that out, writing some notes down, but that just does not fit in with the schedule. And of course, Lauren wouldn't watch it with me either because that would be too scary for her. Anything with with 
semi-dark music means Lauren cannot watch it, especially at night. Mad Max says, great stuff with Rich Barris. Thank you, Max. It's wonderful to have you out there. I'm glad that you're here. Let's see. Everybody, uh, we got a nice group of people hanging out on Rockfin, chilling. On Rumble, the same. Hello to everybody over there. We've got some gold pills on Foxhole. Robert Sarns, thank you. Boys Blanc, Sean Joe, Friendly Gator, and Stostube. Cookies and cans and shades and cans and cookies. Thank you all so much. Great things going on over there at Foxhole. i got to talk about the updates that have happened so far, and um, we'll get around to that. Um, I had somebody had commented. I, I, I lost the comment. They commented about the Yankee game on, on Apple Plus and how they hated it, too. And it's true. I, it was an awful experience. Now, I boosted the stream. I, I have... I know... You know, everybody knows places to watch things without paying for it because what they've done now is we've gotten away from the years of being a part of these very big cable program, uh, cable packages where you have to take all these channels on that you don't like. So as television becomes more irrelevant in somebody's life and they just need internet and they have a streaming service, at one time Netflix was like everything you needed. And then all of the uh, the production houses started calling all their bannermen back, and they started building their own streaming services. So now, instead of being on Cablevision or something like that for God knows how much a month, and you got this many channels, now everybody's paying for individual streaming services, anywhere from nine to twenty dollars a month, and it's becoming unbelievably expensive again. So anyway, I found some some really nice places to watch these places for free because if it wasn't if it wasn't a big enough heap uh, a leap back in the day when the Yankees started their own broadcast network the Yes Network like we have to get the Yes Network now used to watching it on WPIX with Phil Rizzuto and all them and and uh, and now they're on their own network and you got to get it added to your cable station or else you can't watch the Yankees suddenly these random games are being are being hosted on Amazon Prime, which isn't that bad for me because I use Prime for a lot of different things. So the fact that I can watch the game on my phone anywhere has actually been pretty good. It's been pretty solid. But Apple TV, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that. And when I peeked in on this stream, it was awful. The broadcast personalities that they brought in was so awful. The three worst third-rate podcast hosts with some pumpkin spice girl in the middle of them. It was, I would never pay for that. But, um, but you know what these networks do need to do that would make them a little bit more attractive if they're gonna be hosting sports? They have got to find a way. They have got to find a way to make the play-by-play of the broad, broadcasters muted. There has to be a way. I've been asking for this for nearly 25 years now. Someone, someone out there has got to give their consumers a, pl- a, a, a sounds of the game option where all you are paying for is access to the television produced cameras. That's it. Just give us the television produced camera feeds, the cuts over the huddle, whatever the hell it is, goalposts, new, uh, you, uh, what would it be, Yankees? doesn't matter what sport it is just give us no broadcasters it is unbearable it is unbearable and some networks are worse than others with all the uh the banter because it's literally unnecessary the fact that radio 
play-by-play for baseball, if you're listening to a game like that, is 10 times more conservative with their banter than television is absolutely ridiculous. You don't need constant banter during a televised game. We know the pitch is low and outside. We just fucking saw it for ourselves. Shut up. I just want to hear the bat, the ball, a little bit of jawing on the field, the crowd, vendors screaming. That would be great. Shut the broadcasters up. Oh my, and then the dummies. I'm sorry to keep going on like this. The dummies that they send onto the field afterwards for the post-game stuff where they interview the player of the game. They had this avatar-looking blonde woman that went down onto the field to, to interview Jose Trevino, Trevino as, as he hit the what would become the game-winning single. A couple of innings later, the, the score held up. And she goes, Jose, it was a tie game. There was a runner on. What are you thinking on in that situation? And he just said, get a hit. And then she she, kind of like, I don't know. Then even she starts nodding like, duh. Duh. You know, it's baseball, not quantum physics. Get a hit. Like, what are you thinking about in that situation? Oh, I was thinking about the plight of the Ukrainian people. My buddy Brendan got in touch with me. When we were going back and forth, because we were seeing this in real time, too, and we were just both gagging. And he made a great point. He said, nothing is as bad and as utterly useless in football pregame shows. Nothing is nearly as useless as football pregame. You have two to three hour broadcasts, okay? Two to three hour long broadcasts that are going on simultaneously on Fox and CBS and ABC, NFL Network, whatever the hell it is. Roundtables of old ball players giving keys to the game. And wouldn't you know it? The keys to the game are not turning the ball over, scoring when you have the ball, and preventing the opponent from scoring. And they all get millions of dollars to sit there in these fucking $9,000 shiny suits. They're like chrome suits. Useless. So I have a new uh, a new thread that I put up on the the forum on quitefrankly.tv you need to know about because I got some really great responses already. Wanted DNA ancestry genealogy. We want your ant DNA ancestry genealogy stories. I want the good, the bad, and the mind blowing. Okay. Have you been on a quest to figure out how much of your past can be recovered through physical records and even DNA analysis? Tell us about where your DNA searches have led you, especially any unexpected breakthroughs. I've already got a couple of things in there. You should definitely go check it out, quitefrankly.tv. Hit the forum button on the nav bar. Very easy to sign up. I pinned it to the top so you'll see it. I'm going to start unpinning things as we go through these threads on the air. But I wanted to get that out. Um... What else we have? 842, G.K. Chesterton. Let's read a little bit of this because this is what um, Georgia uh, Maloney was talking about when she was uh, in front of the cameras not too long ago. So G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton quotes is a task... Let's see here. 
20th century Christian was an author, poet, philosopher, orator, journalist, and one of the greatest theologians of his age. He loved creating paradoxes out of Proverbs and common sayings and was described by George Bernard Shaw as, quote, a man of colossal genius. Here are some of his quotes. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they are one and the same. Most incredible thing about miracles is that they happen. Fairy tales. This is one of my favorites. And I've seen this written in a couple different ways. Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. The whole modern world has divided itself into conservatives and progressives. The business of progressives is to go on making mistakes. The business of conservatives is to prevent the mistakes from being corrected. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. The true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. That's, that's something else too. Uh, there is the great lesson of beauty. Uh, there is the great lesson of beauty and the beast that a thing must be loved before it is lovable. Here's another one. A good novel tells us the truth about its hero, but a bad novel tells us the truth about its author. Really good. If there were no God, there would be no atheists. The way to love anything is to realize that it may be lost. Oh boy, is that true? Is that true? I have been reminding myself of that for thankfully many years now and it has saved me a lot of regret it saved me a lot of regret you know sometimes you go through life and just you know you, you bump heads with people you love and you get by it and but you, you, you can't you can't ignore things that that happen that need to be addressed some kind of a conflict you can't shove it away because you're, you're oh well one day they'll be dead and if they die before me i'll regret saying something that hurt their feelings some kind of a harsh truth no 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 you can't live like that but other ways other things yes you have to really the frivolous things are the things that really stick with you and can haunt you it's good to know that from now things will be lost an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered an inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly considered think about that tomorrow when you're stuck in traffic do not be so open-minded that your brains fall out hey even i've said that i didn't know that was gk chesterton it's a little bit too mundane for it to be chesterton no religious liberty might be supposed to uh, might be supposed to mean that everybody is free to discuss religion in practice, it means that hardly anybody is allowed to mention it. We are perishing for want of wonder, not for want of wonders. Hmm. So that's great. Though there's so much more. Here's one more. We suffer from the modern and morbid weakness of always sacrificing the normal to the abnormal. And if that is not where we are now, 
look, there's somebody in the there's somebody in the comments of that one who is a perfect ex, uh, example of what that is. Define normal. Define normal. You know, nothing's normal. That's the problem, right? That's the issue. Nothing's normal. So how can we ever really define normal? Well, there's that. All right, 847. Let's take a call or two. 914-595-6953. You can give me a buzz and you can help me close this show out. We've got about 13 minutes left. And then we're going to be passing this off to the guys over at the network. I don't know what they have in line for Mystery Movie Monday. I don't know what they have in line at all. Let's see. Oh, I've got this. Georgia Maloney's electrifying speech at the World Congress of Families with English subtitles will play directly after tonight's credits. Moo Cow and or Chicken Nugget. Okay? So that's um, that's what's going to be going on right after the credits. If you want to see the entirety of the speech that of, of which I played two minutes tonight, that'll be on QuiteFrankly.tv as soon as we wrap up here in mere minutes. Then right afterwards, Quite Frankly TV will follow the movie Monday tradition. Enjoy two entertaining films with fellow Franklies and stay up late with an entire overnight vintage classic. Or an overnight of vintage classics. What are they? Hmm? Tonight's movie Monday, Jeopardy Clue, for tonight's first movie is Adult Human Female. Oh, I know this one. Adult Human Female. That is the Jeopardy clue for tonight's first movie. I hope you're all with us. Open up a tab to quitefrankly.tv. You can slip in there right now if you'd like. First call up is Patrick. What's going on, Patrick? Hey, Frank. How you doing? I'm Great doing show, well. Mate. Thank you so much. What's on your mind? Listen, uh, I, I want to give a heads up to SGT Report and, and you for turning me back on to that podcast. And I called in earlier. I was worried about, uh, you know, not scaring my daughter, but giving her the facts. And I just noticed today he's, he had a great podcast with a, a Hope and her husband. And he, he had to break it up into two parts. The next part's tomorrow. I'm going to send it to her. She's a grown adult. She can make her own decision, but at least she's informed, right? Yes. That's all you can do. Pass things off. That's all you can do is yeah, pass things yeah. off. And, yeah. And that, that rocket, I... I moved to Florida in December, and I'm about a, a mile away from the ocean. And if I go straight down the road, I can see Cape Canaveral right across mm-hmm. on Merritt Island. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and since I've been down here in Titusville, or Cape Canaveral, um, it's been going off once a week, these uh, SpaceX. Well, I can imagine that so, it's it's it's... I can imagine that it's uh, routine for you guys down there, so close to the launch point. But we do not get we do not get uh, a, a sight of these things eight hundred miles up north. It, it feels like an earthquake. The whole like the windows shake in the house, and I, I'm thinking, oh my god, a storm! First time I've ever ran into it, but uh, a tornado. But no, it lasts a good five solid minutes. Just the house shaking, and when it takes off, it's just a, a bright, bright red. And, and then it's off in the distance after. But uh, that's pretty cool. But anyway, thank you. Thank you for the, the information, though. Well, thank you have, for calling in, Patrick. 
It's great to hear from you, and, okay. and, and all the best to you and, and, and your daughter, and I hope you guys have wonderful conversations with that and, uh, and, and it sparks some good things there. 914-595-6953, depending on how brief and concise the calls are, we, maybe we can get two in, but we'll see. Who's up next? I have a super chat here from PDR111 that is very, very generous on Rumble. It says, gold is cheap, Frank, because it's rigged. Votes are rigged. Michael Moore knows. You, my friend, are honest. Thank you. Hey, when I see someone like Michael Moore go through how damn uh, confident he is in what's about to come, even though it defies all logic, it defies all the news, all the reality, and all the history of midterms for an incumbent, especially as weak as this one, who is, I mean, it's taken all the king's horses, all the king's men just to project that this guy is worth 40% approval. It's so ridiculous. So when I hear that, I'm thinking, is he nuts? Is it really just his, his, his bubble? Or is he helping the Nate Silvers out there put in people's heads that there is actually something lovable and attractive about Democrat Party politics? I know that there's very little, love, love, little to love and to be attracted to from Republican, for Republican Party as well. But there's nothing, nothing behind this. So it's either... He's helping lay down the alibi. He's helping prep the ground for yet another vicious night, another act of war, or uh, he's just dumb, dumb and isolated, which I, 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 I would take that too. I mean, this is a guy who went on the road in, in Canada with someone like David Hogg and thought it would be a, a really youthful event full of intellectualism. He's, he's obviously a dumbass. Live Free or Die 1776 says, it's the Roman Circus on Sundays, Frank. Thank you all on Rock, on uh, Rumble. And let's take another call over here. Last one of the night. 562, you're on the air. Hey, Who's Frank. this? Hey. Hey, Frank. Hey. This is Chuck and Matt. Chuck, Chuck and, and, and Matt? Chuck and Max. N- Na- Max. Chuck and Max. Welcome to the show, Chuck and Max. Hey, I have a genealogy story for you. Okay. So my brother, when my mother, when I was a young boy, my mother had an affair with a Mexican man, and my brother was born, and he was brown. And I thought, wow, that was really strange that he was brown. And 45 years later, he had a genealogy test from Ancestry.com. And he got a response from a girl that said that she was related to him, and he ended up finding his father after 45 years, and now he has a whole new family with his father and all his brothers and sisters that were from this Mexican man that was his actual father. Well, I, I need to know a little bit more. Um, I need to know a little bit more. So what was the situation? Who, who was he uh, that, that your, your mother had the affair with him? And did, did she, did, was your father in uh, the picture? Is this just like a love affair, or was it an extramarital affair? It was an extramarital affair, and my father acted like everything was normal, even though my brother was brown. And when you do an Ancestry.com 
they list all the people that have DNA matches that are close to you that are your relatives. And that's how you find people that are your relatives. I myself don't know my father because my mother had multiple affairs. Oh. And I tried to find my father as well, but I haven't been able to yet. Well, I was going to say, that I, I was, when you said you didn't know your father, I said, jeez. So I mean, let me let me ask you something because this is the the first thing that pops up for me, and I hope that you don't you don't um, be offended by me being very direct. How did this all this uh, moving and shaking by your mother affect your relationship with her? Because I, that that must be a very confusing way to grow up, where there's all these different men and all these different half brothers and a lot of confusion. And I mean, what? How did that affect your relationship? Well, I didn't know that I didn't have a. My biological father wasn't my father until I was 15 years old because my mother remarried when I was three years old, and I thought that that was my father. Mm. And it, did, it, it made a, a rift in my family when I tried to ask my mom about my real father. She wouldn't say anything. She got very upset about it, and she would never, never mention it. But before she died, she told my brother what his father's name was and that was one of the ways he was able to verify from this ancestry.com woman that that was his father so did your did the father the father figure in your life at the time that you your your half mexican brother was born um that he stuck he stuck in your life no matter what even though he he knows he, he can obviously see that your mom had been unfaithful and now there was this new baby in his life and he just stuck around and raised all of you no matter what well they got divorced at, when my little brother was about six years old they got divorced they were having marital problems and my father never really accepted me as his son and made it obvious because mm. my second brother was his actual son I have two brothers. One is his actual son, and he made it obvious which son was his and which sons weren't. How many children did your mother end up having that you know of? Three. That's it? Yeah, three boys and three different fathers. Oh, okay. But well, she had been married five times. Okay. Because the way that you were yeah, describing this, I'm thinking around. like there's like a legion... A legion of children out there. Well, I, man, uh, this is a, a, a really interesting call. I almost wish that it didn't come at the last three minutes. And and um, obviously, it, it's not on a night that we're actually doing the genealogy story. But at least at least it's here, and, and it is very fascinating. And I'm I hope that uh, I hope that your you, you, things have leveled out in your life, and none of that has has really um, worn on you because I know that could that kind of insecurity and uh, could could weigh heavily on a growing boy, uh, not knowing who's on your side and and who who's you know in your corner and having a lot of flux in in the home life. So I'm glad that you're here tonight, and I'm I hope that everything's well with you. Well, I know you're in my corner, so that's all that matters, Frank. You damn right. You damn right about that, my friend. And and I hope you. I just put the, the thing up there. If you remember anything else about your story or or um, genealogy and the the research process, feel free to jump into the the forum. I'd love to have you stick around there. I'll do that. And you have a great night. And say good night to 
to your wife and your little daughter. All right, all right. Did you ever did you ever go on to have children of your own? No, I was married for three years, but I didn't have any children of my own, unfortunately. It's okay. It's all right. I, I'm I'm happy you're here and uh, and and live well, my friend. We'll talk soon. I will. You have a good night. All right. Take care. Well, that's a way to end the show. 9.01 p.m., I'm passing you off to the network. I hope that you're here to hang out with me tomorrow. We'll have great guests. We'll have great topics again. And uh, and that's it. That's it. So, quite frankly, TV. that is where the rest of the evening's festivities are going to be. And I hope that you can join me there. As soon as I get dinner all sorted out, I will be in that, that uh, chat room with you, rest assured. And... Um, and yeah, with that being said, you have been a wonderful audience. Thank you again to Rich Barris, and we will see you tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before our live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Mad Max, Stick Chick, Silky Johnson. Thank you to everybody that's over there on Rumble, and especially PDR 111, and Live Free or Die 1776. To my wonderful friends out there on the Foxhole, I'm going to release the scratching right now, and I hope I scratch your ass right to hell.